Well, hi, this is your old friend Bill. Whenever I find myself in Davis, I'm busy putting the fun in fundraising. But when I'm not, I always listen to KDVS 90.3 FM. And you should, too. Go Aggies! This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We have got a lot of ground to cover today. We've got some issues in science and a lot of politics to talk about, probably a bit of art thrown in as well. In today's second segment, we're going to go to New Hampshire and talk to presidential candidate John Buchanan. Mr. Buchanan is a journalist, and he's running against George W. Bush in the state of New Hampshire, which will have a primary next Tuesday. A lot of focus, of course, is on the Democratic side of things, and we're going to talk a bit about what happened in Iowa this week. But um, surprisingly, uh, George Bush has people opposing him in New Hampshire, and I think we should give them some airtime, and by gosh, we will. In our second segment today, stay tuned for that. But first, let's, uh, gosh, we really do have a lot of ground to cover. Let's start with some lighter stuff. Jill sent us an email that I think we should um, should delve into, talking about Republican politics. She sent me a list of things you have to believe to be a Republican today. All right, let's go through a few of these. Uh, being a drug addict is a moral failing and a crime unless you're a conservative radio talk show host. Then it's an illness, and you need our prayers for your recovery. Let's see. The United States should get out of the United Nations, and our highest national priority is enforcing United Nations resolutions against Iraq. (laughs) All right, continuing. Things you have to believe to be Republican today. Standing tall for America apparently means firing your workers and moving their jobs to India. All right. Uh, to be Republican today, you have to believe that Jesus loves you and shares your hatred of homosexuals and Hillary Clinton. Now, to be Republican today, you have to believe that group sex and drug use are degenerate sins, unless you wish to run for governor of California as a Republican. All right. Let's see. To be a Republican today, you should believe that if condoms are just kept out of schools, then adolescents won't have sex. Sure, it makes sense to me. Uh, let's see. To be a Republican today, you have to believe that a good way to fight terrorism is to belittle our longtime allies, then demand their cooperation and money. Let's see. You have to believe that providing health care to all Iraqis is a sound policy. Providing health care to all Americans is socialism. To to be a Republican today, you apparently have to believe that global warming and tobacco's link to cancer are junk science, but creationism should be taught in our schools. You have to believe, if you're a Republican today, that a a president lying about an extramarital affair is an impeachable offense, whereas a president lying to enlist support for a war in which thousands die is solid defense policy. 
To be a GOP person today, you have to believe that the government should limit itself to the powers named in the Constitution. Uh, except maybe when it comes to banning gay marriages and censoring the Internet. And uh, to be a Republican today, you have to believe that trade with Cuba is wrong because the country is communist. But trade with China is vital to the spirit of international cooperation. All right, and speaking of the GOP, we're going to remind you of this, but if you want to cast a ballot on Super Tuesday, March 2nd here in California, and you're not registered as a Democrat, you can go down and re-register as Declines to State. That allows you to then vote in the Democratic primary. We mentioned on this show that I'm a registered Republican. That is no longer true. I'm now Declined to State which will allow me on March 2nd to vote for one of the Democrats. We'll be following that story. That's for doggone sure. I'm also curious as to how it is Bush delivers this State of the Union speech here on Tuesday night. A year ago, he tells the nation that there was no doubt that Saddam Hussein was concealing, quote, the most lethal weapons ever devised, unquote. Now, David Kay, Bush's weapons inspector, has resigned something that hasn't gotten a lot of publicity. And uh, quietly, his weapons inspection team is being disbanded. It should be clear to everyone at this point that there was no threat from Saddam to the U.S. or anyone else. Let me quote from George W. Bush from this year's State of the Union Address. We are seeking all the facts. Already, the K report identified dozens of weapons of mass destruction-related program activities and significant amounts of equipment that Iraq concealed from the United Nations. Yes, let me run that past you again. The K report identified dozens of weapons of mass destruction-related program activities. Do you think a Justice Department could make it stick if they wanted to prosecute somebody not for bank robbery or conspiracy to rob a bank or uh, intention to rob a bank, but bank robbery-related program activities? Let's see, bank robbery-related program activities. He, let's see, he got his car tuned up. Because, you know, a tuned-up car could serve as a getaway vehicle during a bank robbery. Now, the Democrats met in San Jose last weekend, and I would like to thank KDVS's own news director, Steve Valentino, for helping us smooth the pathway for me to go down there and... uh, see what was going on. I was in the same room with Nancy Pelosi, and I think we'll talk about that on next week's show. But uh, no, we want to thank Steve for that, and uh, also a thanks to Bob Mulholland of the California Democratic Party, who basically helped uh, smooth the way for KDVS to get uh, the proper needed credentials. We also want to note that we saw the former general manager of KDVS there, Paul Shramsky, and we hope that Paul is going to come on in the future and uh, tell us what he's learning over in uh, in Sacramento as related uh, to uh, California legislature-related program activities. All right, looking down the road, New Hampshire primary, January 27th. As I say in our second segment today, we're going to be talking to a candidate running in New Hampshire. But February 3rd, I've noticed there's going to be uh, 269 Democratic um, delegates up for grabs in basically Arizona, New Mexico, Oklahoma, North Dakota, Missouri, and South Carolina. 
big day. We're going to be following uh, what's happening very closely. We would like to, to, to make note of something for the politicos out there. Again, from Marilyn Vos Savant's column. We do like Marilyn's column. Someone asked her that she, they understood that the $100 bill is the largest denomination in open circulation in order to make it harder for drug lords and money launderers to carry cash around. But what about all those movies in which an ordinary briefcase is supposed to contain millions of dollars? Is this possible? Well, according to Marilyn Vos Savant, the world's smartest woman, a million dollars in $100 bills weighs approximately 20 pounds. So that's about the most you could stuff into a briefcase without tipping over sideways. I don't know about that. 20-pound briefcase is not that big of a deal. Of course, if you carried $1 bills, your million-dollar briefcase would be larger than you are, would weigh a ton, literally. But, you know, Frank Sinatra was once uh, accused of delivering a million dollars in political payments for some cause. I don't remember what it was. And his comment to that was, you show me a briefcase you can put a million dollars in, and I'll give you the briefcase. I don't know, Frank. 20 pounds in a briefcase seems pretty doable to me. And uh, as, again, politicos take note. Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. All right, and speaking of corrupt political shenanigans, Vice President Dick Cheney says he believes the, quote, jury's still out, unquote, on whether Iraq has the chemical and biological weapons that the Bush administration assured us justified going to war in the Middle East. I'm a long way at this stage from concluding that somehow there was some fundamental flaw in our intelligence, Cheney said in an interview with USA Today and the Los Angeles Times. Cheney was speaking publicly for the first time since former Treasury Secretary Paul O'Neill came forward to criticize the administration in his book, The Price of Loyalty, um, authored by Ron Suskind. Now, it's interesting to note in the news, the government is seeking a probe amid uh, uh, O'Neill's interviews on his book tour that uh, on 60 Minutes, maybe he was he was holding up some, some classified materials. So uh, the government is probing the impropriety of Paul O'Neill going to the press with some of his revelations. Well, it turns out when they asked uh, CBS about this, uh, Leslie Stahl said that um, O'Neill had gotten briefing materials involving Iraq and that one of the memos they showed on television was marked secret. It said a plan for post-Saddam Iraq. We don't have a secret document. We didn't show a secret document. We merely showed a cover sheet that alluded to such a document, said CBS spokesman Kevin Tedesco. But I will give this administration an ability to spin. Uh, Cheney goes on the counterattack after these allegations of possible impropriety. And says that, uh, you know, it's noted in the, in the article here from uh, USA Today. They describe Richard Cheney as George Bush's cabinet recruiter, stating that Cheney brought O'Neill into the Bush administration and that Cheney and O'Neill had known each other since they worked together in the Ford administration. Uh, by the way, it was Cheney who fired Paul O'Neill in December 2002 after the Treasury Secretary objected to Bush's tax cuts and made several public remarks that were considered embarrassing. Uh, I was a big advocate of his without question and it turned out to be a big disappointment, said Cheney. We were friends, but it's one of those things that happens periodically. Uh, he went on to say, he's had his day. I feel badly for him to some extent that he's ended his career on this note, but um, that's his choice. Ended his career. Wait, Cheney fires the guy and then says later, well, it's a shame that he's uh, he's ended his career on this note. What really gets me about the article, they asked him about his image 
Was he worried about his image as a secretive sculptor of Bush policies as he takes a more public role in the campaign? What's wrong with my image? Cheney answered with a laugh. He said he's uh, effectively working behind the scenes and doesn't believe voters will choose the next president based on running mates. Quote, Am I the evil genius in the corner that nobody ever sees? Well, it's a nice way to operate, actually. Yeah, remember in the early days of the Bush administration, everybody said that Dick Cheney was really going to be running things and Bush was going to be basically the, the figurehead? Well, what do you think now, folks? Another item on the Bush administration probably worth mentioning, an email from Janice. Subject, Dr. W. David Hager is slated by the Bush administration to head up the Food and Drug Administration's Reproductive Health Drugs Advisory Committee. Apparently, this committee has not met for two years, during which time its charter lapsed. As a result, the Bush administration gets to fill all 11 positions with new members. And by the way, they don't require congressional approval. Now, Dr. W. David Hager is interesting because he is a practicing OBGYN who describes himself as pro-life and refuses to prescribe contraceptives to unmarried women. Hager is the author of, quote, As Jesus Cared for Women, Restoring Women Then and Now, unquote. Uh, this book apparently blends biblical accounts of Christ's healing women with case studies from Dr. Hager's practice. Uh, by the way, in a book that he wrote with his wife entitled Stress and the Woman's Body, he suggests that women who suffer from premenstrual syndrome should seek help from reading the Bible and praying. As an editor and contributing author to The Reproductive Revolution, a Christian appraisal of sexuality reproductive technologies and the family, I'm reading it as it's written, appraisal of sexuality reproductive technologies and the family, Dr. Hager appears to endorse the medically inaccurate assertion that the common birth control pill is an abortifacient. Uh, he has an ardent interest in revoking appro approval for Mifepristone, formerly known as RU486, a safe and early form of medical abortion. Hager recently assisted the Christian Medical Association in a citizen's petition which called upon the FDA to revoke its approval of Mifepristone in the name of women's health. It's quite clear that his desire to overturn it is based on religious grounds rather than scientific merit. This, I'm sorry to say, uh, commemorates Roe versus Wade today on uh, on January 22nd. Actually, I believe it's the 30th anniversary of Roe versus Wade, 1973. We've been following that story with you, with talking to people, our good friends over at Planned Parenthood, and we'll be talking to them again. And um, right now, on this rather depressing note about Mr. On, about Dr. Hager, I think we'll just leave it go. We'll return to this topic in the future. But if you want to do something about this. Uh, you may want to go on the web, look this up, and then do what you can politically, you know, contact the White House, contact your congressman, make your voices heard. Appointing Dr. Hager to head the Food and Drug Administration's Reproductive Health Drugs Advisory Committee, well, that is... We recommend also that you go to the Green Party website and uh, find out about the fact that apparently the party that... Uh, ran Ralph Nader for president in the year 2000, is considered by the Ashcroft Justice Department to be a terrorist organization. And no, I'm not making this up. Apparently, art dealer Doug Stuber was one example that was cited here, the most prominent example, yanked off a plane in December 
and told he couldn't fly. He was grounded. Uh, well, actually, at first they told him he could fly the next day. So after he lost his $670 round trip and was forced into a $2,600 same-day airfare to Europe, he was yanked off a second time. When he starts saying, what's going on here? Do you really equate the, the Green Party with al-Qaeda? Those detaining him showed him a Justice Department document that actually shows the Greens as likely terrorists, just as likely as al-Qaeda members. Um, and indeed, he could not use a passport to fly out of the United States. He was grounded because of the Justice Department. First of all, if you're not alarmed enough by the fact that you know Green Party members are considered terrorists, you have to ask, uh, isn't it terrible that if we should accidentally put somebody on a no-fly list, well, hopefully there'll be some way to get him off it, right? Well, maybe not. This is a classic catch-22 situation. The Transportation Security Agency says it compiles a list from names provided by other government agencies, but it has no procedure for correcting a problem. Aggrieved parties would have to go to the agency that first reported their names, but for security reasons, the TSA won't disclose which agency put your name on the no-fly list. All right, let's uh, let's get on to some lighter fare. Uh, we me- we mentioned um, a while back, crocodile hunter Steve Irwin took some heat, <laughs> apparently dangling a chicken in his right hand over the mouth of a crocodile while holding his one-month-old son under his left arm. I know we mentioned this story before, but I have to return to it <laughs> because of what. What crocodile hunter Steve Irwin is saying about, you know, he's justifying his actions. <laughs> he's saying uh, he's a one month old, so it's about time Bob got out there and did his first croc demo. <laughs> now, uh, Irwin's wife, Terry, who gave birth to Bob on December 1st, also attended the show, which was billed as Bob's croc feeding debut. Uh, you've, of course, you've seen you've seen Steve Irwin on TV. On TV, his his show, The Crocodile Hunter, served as the basis for the movie The Crocodile Hunter Collision Course, which came out in 2002. Now, I don't know if you know any Australians, but there's something just very funny about Australians, man, how they express themselves. Just you know. It's about time Bob got out there for his one-month-old to be exposed to live crocodiles. Uh, There's just, I don't know. My friend um, Jim, who's up in Washington State, possibly listening to this program uh, right now through the Internet, uh, sent me a very hilarious book many years back titled How to Speak Australian. And and there was a sample bit of Australian dialogue in it I thought I should share with you because uh, (laughs) it's just so Australian. Sample dialogue. Hide the babes in arms. Look how they let out of the desert. It's Dingo. Stone the crows, Bluey, you old codger. Fancy seeing you here. Crikey, fancy seeing you. Getting any, mate? Climbing trees to get away from it. What about you? Getting any? Oh, i got to swim underwater to dodge it. Well, you look if you couldn't crack hardy. No worries, mate. I've been so busy I've had to put a man on. Same old Bluey. Same old Dingo. I I have to report regretfully that I don't have a translation into American English, but there you go. 
If any Australians out there can translate this into American English for us, please do so and send us a note at info at radioparallax.com. All right, you know, I really, I, I want to talk about George Bush wanting to go to the moon and Mars. We'll defer that to our third segment, I think, today, because we're running a little short on time. And I, I must say, I am appalled by the coverage that uh, the Iowa caucuses have been given. Uh, John Kerry is being hailed as having this surprising victory uh, and that, you know, Howard Dean must be running scared. We're going to talk to a political uh, uh, investigative journalist, Jerry Polikoff, I think on next week's show, about the way these polls are being reported. Uh, you know, I just don't buy this. The Iowa caucuses don't mean that much. In 1980, George Bush Sr. bragged that he had the big mo for momentum after he won the Iowa caucuses. He then went to New Hampshire where Reagan crushed him and pretty much ended his, uh, you know, aspirations to be president, at least, unfortunately for us, for eight years. So we're going to give you our analysis of what's going to happen in the weeks to come. But we do want to note that Pat Robertson, TV evangelist, predicted on his 700 Club program that George Bush is going to win the presidential election this year. He said, quote, I think George Bush is going to win in a walk. I really believe I'm hearing from the Lord, and it's going to be like a blowout election in 2004. Robertson uh, says he thinks that Bush is going to win because he's a man of prayer and God's blessing him. And in what we think is a similar, though not directly related, news story, we would point out that psychic Yuri Geller is defending his friend, Michael Jackson. From Jerusalem, Geller said that the pop singer denied under hypnosis three years ago that he had sexually abused children. Geller, of course, is best known for his claimed telekinetic ability to bend spoons. He told Israel's army radio that he hypnotized Michael Jackson when the two were alone in a recording studio in some undisclosed location. Quote, I told him that if he would let me, I would hypnotize him. He said, okay, let's give it a try. Then when he asked Jackson about persistent rumors that he abused children, quote, he answered me under deep hypnosis that he had never touched a child in a sexual way. He said, and I'm here using his exact words, my relations with children are very beautiful. Geller said he was convinced Jackson was telling him the truth. I'm a good hypnotist and I know who's trying to mislead me. Now, for those of you too young to remember, perhaps, Yuri Geller made a big splash in the 1970s when he claimed that he had all these telepathic abilities. He could make things appear out of nowhere. He could bend keys just by touching them. Uh, if you go on the web and look it up, you'll find out that, you know, in 1970, university professors in Jerusalem were noted that they'd seen Geller's per performance and noted that not only could they do the same tricks that he could do, they could do them better. And they didn't involve psychic uh, activity. Uh, one, if you go on the web too, you'll find some very hilarious episodes. One uh, where uh, Geller, <laughs> Geller was uh, trying to demonstrate that he could bend a key, and he apparently had the key inside of his trousers, and he was basically pushing the, the key forward against his pants to make it bend. Unfortunately, he spread his legs rapidly and wound up splitting his trousers right in front of the witnesses who could then see that he'd bent the key partially. Uh, one of my favorites is... He's being interviewed by a reporter for uh, L'Express in Paris when he instructed a confederate to throw a previously bent spoon into the air over his shoulder. And as they were walking down the street, it would land in front of them and Geller would be like, whoa, a teleportation. 
But apparently the reporter was impressed and wrote it up as a miracle. You know, various of Geller's confederates have confessed to his chicanery. I remember once in a photographic magazine, he claimed he could uh, expose film with his mind. And so, uh, unbeknownst to him, the photography magazine people put a fisheye lens on the camera. So when Geller reached down when they weren't looking, pulls off the, the lens cap, clicks the shutter and sticks it back on, he didn't count on the fact that his fingers were clearly visible around the rim of the lens cap. The uh, magician uh, James Randi made a career out of exposing how Geller did all of these uh, tricks, so he laid low for about a decade. You didn't hear much from Yuri Geller in the 1980s, but in the 90s he's back, and apparently somewhere along the way has befriended Michael Jackson. Well, anyway, we'd put about as much stock in Yuri Geller's pronouncements about Mr. Michael Jackson as we do about what Pat Robertson has to say about the 2004 election. You're listening to Radio Parallax on KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. And I'm your host, Douglas Everett.